You're listening to The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. I'm Tom Oglesby. We've got Colleen Pasnick, Brad Miller, and Brad Markham. I don't know how we're going to keep them uh, separate here. The Brad Twins. Brad Squared. Let's begin in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, this is episode 27, Colleen. It only took us more than two dozen to get Miller in here, all the way from Cascade. All the way from Cascade. Long drive. Yeah. And Mark, we're we're unclear here. It's uh, I'm I'm yeah, it's a guy thing. We're calling last names because they're both. Brads. They're both Brads, but you know, women don't call people by their last names, so Should I'm not going to say Miller. We I mean mark them. Well, we could do Brad Bradley. I feel like I was in trouble. That's when when Mom was yelling at me when I got called Bradley. (laughs) uh, So the feast, is it uh, St. Francis de Sales? That's what I thought I had somebody That's what I thought as well, but Colleen tends to be on top of these things. Well, you know, I'm I'm way more Novus Ordo, I think. I'm the most Novus Novus Ordo one in the room, and it was uh, Timothy. But Mm -hmm. I love Francis de Sales. He's one of my heroes. Yeah. When she does that Novus Ordo thing, I keep thinking she's reinvented herself. (laughs) All right, let's start with some headlines. Colleen, you got a bunch of stuff there. What do you got? Yeah, for sure I want to talk about the headline that I just read a, a day or two ago that says now Pope Francis is going to admit women to the ministries of lector and acolyte. The minor orders from years gone by? The minor orders, and that will be on the quiz in the third segment. Okay. The minor orders. But he's, he's actually changing canon law. To uh-huh. allow women to serve as lectors and acolytes. Now, people listening might go, so what's the big deal? Women have been lectors for a while. What's the big deal? The camel's nose is under the tent here. It is. But I think the biggest uh, thing to look at here is that he's allowing women to serve as acolytes. And I, we've not ever had that. No, no. I mean, John Paul II allowed for um, girl altar servers. But once you know you became a woman, you didn't serve at the altar anymore. But now that's what he's suggesting, and I think personally it's kind of setting up for allowing women to be deacons. I see Brad Miller over there doing, uh, I'm, I'm trying to decipher the wrinkles in his forehead. Well, I was, I was thinking about what's the definition of an acolyte? Yeah, so in the letter he says what they are, and... Um, Actually, uh, this is from Paul VI when he abolished the minor orders in 1972. This is what he wrote. So this is Paul VI. Quote, the acolyte is established to help the deacon and to minister to the priest. It's therefore his duty to take care of the service of the altar, to help the deacon and the priest in liturgical actions, especially in the celebration of Holy Mass. So one step away from deacon. One step away from deacon. And in the minor orders, I might quiz you guys on what is the next step after acolyte. But Tom, I think, knows because he's old. Yeah. 
wonder right now. I'll say the one thing to think about here is that these these are ordered to the priesthood. They all were in in the old days. Uh, the people would the old days the good old days. Uh, young men would go through each of these orders and they'd go step by step in order to the priesthood. And that's where that's where this is a really, in my opinion, dangerous uh, theological practice. So let me ask: Is it purposeful? I think so, and. Really, when you think about women's ordination in general, the problem is, throughout Scripture, God calls us his bride. Christ calls himself the bridegroom, and that is the number one, I would call it a metaphysical analogy, that's in the Bible about who we are and what we represent in, all right, in all right. relation to God. I win, uh, Colleen. I told you he would say metaphysical before the <laughs> five-minute mark, and I win. <laughs> So dinner is on you. So yeah, I mean, I don't know if people really know what the theological problem is with with female ordination, but that really gets to the heart of it because the priest himself acts as uh, in persona Christi, and acting in persona Christi, he he he's a male, and uh, when you consecrate the Eucharist, you bring eternal life to the congregation. If you're a female, you've got a a situation of basically lesbianism and no no fruitfulness there. So that theologically, it's it's a very frightening thing. I know we're, we've been conditioned to uh, think of it in in terms of power, but it's not really about power. This, this is more than conditioning. This is an invitation. Dateline October twenty fourth, two thousand twenty one, in the Archdiocese of Dubuque. I am quoting Archbishop Michael Jagels in his homily of October 24th. At the 12-minute mark of his video, he says, for good or for ill, we're talking about the synodal process here, and we still profess Catholic faith, which we can, we can believe, can develop with time. For example, our reading of sacred scripture can deepen. Such that we would decide differently about a men-only priesthood, or our studies show us that there have been married priests in the past, and there are married priests even now in the Catholic Church. Let's talk about married priests, Brad. I mean, think about this. You've got 11 children. I've got six. How challenging. You see how busy Father John out in St. Augustine's is. I mean, what are your thoughts there on a Oh, it'd be a you just ignore all the kids and take care of everything else. Did you talk to oh, Julie? Oh, wait a second. You ignore everything else and take care of the kids. Oh, wait a second. I don't think it would work. Definitely wouldn't work. And the fact that he kind of puts together women priests and married priests, not at all the same cup of tea, not at all. Well, we could pray about it, and we could decide differently. You know, you had asked, you think it's um, intentional, and I think it absolutely is, because when you look at the Synod Toolkit, they have... Um, you know, they're going to be asking about Women's Ordination Conference. They're inviting the Women's Ordination Conference Let Her Voice Carry campaign. So you don't think it's it's all... So that brings out? up another when I ask if it's uh, purposeful, and you, uh, you went there on the synod, on the synodality, which is globally, but domestically here in the Bishops' Conference in the United States, and what... 
quite frankly, every diocese in the country, Brad Miller, they're going to uh, have a local uh, synod. I mean, are, are they are they really searching? I've got I've got deep seated concern that says we're going to go on out and validate a an outcome that's already been arrived at. I would agree with that. I think. I mean, at least it certainly seems like the synod here, the whole purpose of it is to figure out which parishes to close. Ooh. I mean, it seems like that's that's the outcome, and that's how they're trying to figure out which so you're, ones. So you're, try, you're tying the survey of parish viability into the synod as, as one and the same? Is that how you see it, Brad Markham? I think that's fair, yeah. Um, yeah. That seems to be the way it was framed, anyway. I mean, that's all they've been talking about. Our synodal process, our synodal journey, is going to be to decide which parishes are fruitful. I don't know what their definition of that would be. Which parishes are active? Right, and I think they've. I've kind of noticed that their terminology, the language, is really important. We all know that, and they're saying which parishes will remain open. So they're not saying we're going to close parishes. Which will remain open? And quite frankly, the way it was phrased is the laity will make the decision on who's open and who's not yeah that's what he said you i think he said something's got to be going on between sunday masses well you know some of the small parishes in the rural areas you know they're they're taking care of their families they you know not every small parish can do uh, serve a meal at st pat's i think he's well here here's a good example just kind of from my own experience um, Sacred Heart Fillmore, you know, halfway between here and Cascade. Right. They got moved down to one one mass a month. A rural parish, four o'clock in the afternoon on Saturdays. Rural parish. What are most what, what's going farm on? families going to be doing at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday? Right. Yeah. Especially when there's sunlight. If there's sunlight out, you're yeah. out working, right? In the winter, maybe different, but for the majority of the year, they're out in the field working. So how active can one of those? And there's a lot of those. How active can they be with one mass a month? Mm -hmm. Maybe if they had some women priests or married priests, then they could be more active. Mm. Now, I don't know why they don't look at um, some of our separated brothers and sisters that have gone down this route to having female clergy. It has not helped them one bit. Not one bit. The other thing that I want to mention, too, before we eventually change topics is it's not... Um, it's not a slam on women to not include women as priests. Right. The Blessed Mother was never a priest, right? And yet she is the most exalted of all women. So it's 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 ridiculous to say, well, women need to be named priests, made priests, because we're just as equal to men. Well, wasn't it you, Tom, that in our conversation on the way to Mass, talking about before Pentecost, you know, who's up in the room with the apostles and what are they doing? They're having conversations with the seat of wisdom. You know, we hear this. If anybody's ever read Thomas Aquinas, he's a he's a challenging read, and you really have to study. And basically, theologians are agreed in that Mary was way wiser than him and had way more wisdom than he he could. And I mean, it's pretty obvious she carried. She's the seat of wisdom. That's her brain. Right. right. Yeah, I, I don't know what any of us would give for those nine days between Ascension Thursday and Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday, when the 11 apostles were locked up, basically, how did we call them, Frady cats, and 
the Blessed Virgin is there. Can you imagine what she imparted? Um, you know, did she did she talk about uh, beginning in Simeon and Anna in the temple? Did she talk about the Magi? Did she talk about what it was all all of the scenes from uh, uh, the movie uh, Gibson's movie, The Passion? The Passion. Nine days, one on one, one on eleven, with the seed of wisdom. And can you imagine being in that room and listening to her pray? Oh yeah. What her prayers must have been like. Can you imagine what might have happened in that room had she not been there? Mm. <laughs> well, makes us wonder where she's at today. Hey, let's um, let's move on here because we could uh, we could talk more on that. What what other headline do you got here? You know, this is just a follow up from last week. But last week we talked about the Satanic Club down in Moline. Yeah. You know, for the elementary school kids, you know, because that's what every elementary school needs is a Satan club. You know, uh, the very same flyer is now in Ohio. Warren County, Ohio, County, Ohio, the very same flyer advertising a Satanic club for elementary school kids. So you know what that tells me? This is a nationwide coordinated effort, right? This is not just one little group in Moline coming no, up with no, this. No. This is nationwide organized. No. Very same flyer. Well, in, in segment, we don't have enough time in segment, uh, but in two coming up here uh, in about six minutes, I, I want to talk more about a subject that we've had offline is how long are we going to stay plugged in to the uh, sewage of society here? When, when are we going to unplug and form our own Catholic uh, communities here and, and keep that in mind? I got a headline here. I don't think uh, this was over here last week, but we didn't get to it. A pastor, a pastor, uh, Reverend Martin M. Eliason. He was he was going into the weekend when most Christians are mourning the 63 million unborn babies who have been aborted since Roe versus Wade. A group of Maine pastors plans to celebrate with a special Sabbath for reproductive justice. Believe it or do not here, it ties in with um, what you're talking about, satanic clubs after school in Moline, Illinois. Brad well, what Markham. happened to separation of church and state? That's what the Freemasons are always telling us they want us to do. And now we've got the Church of Satan in our schools. I think we should start a new slogan is separate atheism in the state. Mm. Let's put the Catholic Church back in charge like it should be. Yep. They only want to separate one church from the state. The rest of them are fine. Yeah. So he's pastor of what kind of church? The church of what's happening now. Yeah. No, he is. <laughs> he, he's a professor emeritus of Christian ethics at Bangor Theological Seminary in Maine believes abortion is a morally responsible decision that women should be allowed to make without restriction, certainly without shame, and the Sabbath is a good, is a godsend, an opportunity for us to ponder prayerfully and respect, respectively how do we do better, he wrote. A professor of ethics? Yeah. At a theological school? Don't send your child there. No wonder we're in trouble. Yeah. Making up a phrase and then defining it. I mean, reproductive justice... What in the world? 
There it is. Worm tongue. There it is. Yeah. The satanic sacrament, right? I mean, it that's, is. That's what it is. That's why... I don't know if you guys remember uh, when uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away and, and Trump walked out onto the the uh, Supreme Court steps there when she was laying in... Right, right. ...in state. And the, the howls and the... I mean, it sounded to me like if you go to hell, that's what it's going to sound like. To me, it's quite obvious this is a satanic sacrament. And you, I mean, you hear the satanic priests saying that they're in the abortion abortion mills doing mm-hmm. their spells. Mm-hmm. Satanic wow. child sacrifice. Wow. That's a nice job of tying two stories together. Well done. He's a pro. Yeah, he is. He is. That's why we got him down here. What else you got, Colleen? We've got, what, two minutes left? Oh, we only have about left. Yeah, a minute and a half or so. So the other headline that I had that I was going to bring up is um, about the COVID, because it seems like everybody just keeps talking about the COVID. Well, now the CDC has taken a U-turn on the narrative. So um, now they're saying they're finally admitting that the COVID jabs cannot prevent transmission. Duh. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been living that reality, right? So that was one thing. And now also they say um, uh, isolation, uh, 10 days is too long, just five days. Yes. And and masks don't work. And masks don't work. And also, if you um, have tested positive for COVID and you recover, don't take another test because you can show positive for 12 more weeks. So they're finally admitting some of these things that we have found out the hard way. Breaking this afternoon, the Dubuque County Board of Health supports suspension of COVID-19 contact tracing. This is, this is right here in Dubuque. The Dubuque County Board of Health supports suspension of COVID-19 contact tracing. What, what gets me here, I didn't know they were supporting it. That was my thought, too. I didn't know we I had... In the next segment, I can tell you a little story of, of some creepiness that happened with that. So. All right. Stay tuned for creepiness. This is FM... What is it? Creepiness? Creepiness. FM 98.3 KCRD. This is The Chatter. This is The Chatter live. Well, it's live now, recorded when you're hearing it, and you can also get it on the podcast at kcrd-fm.org, wherever your uh, mobile app will take you here. So you uh, left us hanging Bradley. Yeah, so we had, like a lot of families, we had COVID run through our family a few months back. And basically, we really just didn't want to feed the narrative, so we wouldn't have gone to the hospital or gotten tested. Uh, but we had a newborn in the house, and she was running a very high temperature. So we took her in, and they ran some tests and found that she had COVID. Well, a day or two later... So my wife was the one that brought her into the hospital. A day or two later, I get a phone call from some medical board asking locally, me, you're locally, to locally, City, asking county. me questions, and you know, I it it troubled me. Number one, that what, why would you have any access to my medical information? Number one, and number two, to connect my daughter to me when I wasn't even the one that took her to the hospital. It all just creeped me out. So I, I told them that. I said, I'm not interested in answering these questions. I don't really know. And they were very polite. And they said, yeah, a lot of people are uncomfortable with this. But it just, to me, it just had a very creepy feel to it, a creepy sense mm-hmm. to 
And Tom's comment about the con- uh, contact tracing made you think of that. Yes. That story. Yeah. How? What happened to HIPAA? Where did HIPAA go? Exactly. Huh? Out the window. Well, we even had friends of the family that their kids weren't back when it was the, you know, really lockdown period. They'd connect you through your phones and whatever else, and your kids would be quarantined from school for however long it was at that time. You're kidding. So, eh, no. But it's, it's really disturbing that they decided to hold off on the contact tracing when this is the first Dubuquers are hearing. Yeah, the story, the headline goes on. Um, this was on social media, and I think it hit hit the uh, a local newspaper. At its meeting on Wednesday, January 19th, the Dubuque County Board of Health voted to support a proposal from the Dubuque County Public Health Incident Management Team didn't know we had one of those, Mm -mm. to suspend contact tracing efforts. That's an interesting phrase, contact tracing efforts for positive COVID-19 cases. But hold on, to suspend it means they were doing it already. That's correct. Maybe that's what you're talking about with that call. That's what the phone call was. That's the group. In, In place of these efforts, the team will increase promotion of quarantine and isolation guidance, as well as the Dubuque County COVID-19 hotline for questions and support. This makes you wonder what else is happening and we don't even know about. Problem, reaction, solution. The other question is why now? I mean, are, is it because cases have flatlined? No. I mean, the quote-unquote cases, we have more than we've had. Is it because they're overwhelmed? Um, Omicron for the win? They just they give up. They or, can't. They can't do or it. Or is there something more nefarious that they're <laughs> yeah. up to? No, you know, I saw there was a defeat the mandate protest in uh, DC this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I saw a picture of a bus that had the pictures of all the people you would know: the Fauci's, the uh, you know. I don't I'm, remember who all was I'm on it. I'm not thinking but, this is as nefarious. I'll throw another idea out to Brad Miller's comment. What? Why now? Is it ain't working. Right. You know, this is problem, reaction, solution. This is the classic, you introduced the concept last week, Colleen. It ain't working. They This this is a fear tactic. I'm not saying people didn't get a symptom, a virus, a flu, a COVID, or whatever. From day one, it's 99 point what percent recovery rate. We feel for all of those people who have been sick, but recovered, and certainly anyone who died uh, from COVID, but it ain't working. This has been a fear tactic. There, there, was, no, uh, there was no lockdown for H1N1. There was no lockdown for swine flu. Ebola, any of them, Zika. Zika. There's no lockdown on this. This is... This is nefarious at at its best and after trying it now for two years more than two years i mean they realize that at least around here people aren't doing it and if you want to wear your mask wear your mask yeah i think a lot of people are rising up not only just in their day-to-day life i'm not putting a mask on when i go in that building right um, but they're rising up, like you said, the Defeat the Mandate March in Washington, Washington D.C. And you see a lot of cities around the world um, 
A lot of people in the streets marching, saying, we're done with this. Where was my head? You don't get that on the mainstream media. You don't see it. But if you go to alternative sources, you find, like, same day, 500,000 people in Brussels, Italy, France, everywhere, Australia, New Zealand. It's all over. Here's the other headline here. It's uh, UK, that's the United Kingdom, that includes Ireland, cancels all COVID mandates. They were among the most oppressed. Mm -hmm. Uh What's the word? Anybody heard anything out of uh, Australia? I was just going to say, Australia hasn't relented at all. And I'm wondering if it has to do with their proximity to China. What do you guys think? That's a good question. I don't, it's tough to say. I don't know how, why, you know. Well, the, the proximity is not just you geographically but politically and trade i mean they're they're doing a significant amount of uh, trade fuel coal that kind of thing speaking of china and uh proximity uh this wasn't on the script but i'm going to ask it anyway what's 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 your uh with the uh winter olympics here what's your sense of what's going to go on here who's going to show up is it going to be a party nobody's coming to I hear a bunch of advertisers drop, are dropping. I did not hear. What, what are you hearing? What are like you hearing? Visa is not going to advertise. I mean, some of them aren't going to advertise here in the U.S. They don't want to be seen supporting it. Mm. What do you? Hearing? I haven't followed the storyline. You got to give me a little more background. Well, I mean, who's who's going to show up here? One, they're in Beijing. Yeah, and they just don't want to be friendly to China, or well, they're afraid want, of the disease, or what's the? Why? Why would I want to send my child who's been? working on whatever sport they are since they could be five or six years old over to a communist-controlled country that... Well, it seems to me the big businesses are right... I mean, you see the Nikes and whatever else, they're right in line with China. So to well, me, sure they are. Well, they have to be. They um, are. Before they get their supplies. But a lot of people are concerned about China's human rights records. The Uyghurs um, have come up a the lot. The Uyghurs and, and Falun Gong. I, there's a lot of people that are... Well, that's great. I mean, that's great boycott. to hear. I just, it's very hopeful. I hope that they do boycott it. It's what happens when you've got that many kids. He doesn't get the news. <laughs> Brad got it somehow. We're all, we're all breaking yeah. it to him right yeah, now. But, but he, he's almost his, doubled me up. Yeah, his, his kids are old enough to read the news to him. <laughs> we went off script there. What else we got? I just have some more COVID things, but um, before you, before you move on, yes. the one thing that I think is interesting about that UK canceling all their COVID mandates, I want to say it was inside a week of, of Boris getting caught partying out, outside of his own mask mandate, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and catching heat for it. Did that yep. play into it? What a great leader! You know, he's he gets caught, so he's changing policy based on one thing that happens to him. That's awesome. Yeah. But it happens in the United States, too. You know, Nancy Pelosi goes off, and she's no mask. And um, Newsom, Governor of California, he's at big expensive parties, no mask. And even in Washington, D.C., someone's at a jazz bar, no mask. I saw a meme the other day. It was, uh, it, it was one of these big Hollywood parties, and it said Hollywood, and it had them all embracing each other with no masks on. It said, you're pro athletes, and it had a, like a championship celebration where there's thousands of people gathered together. And it said, your children, and it had them six feet apart with masks and everything else. Ouch. Yeah. It's so hypocritical. Um, Mom, we were watching football the other day, and Mom said that they were interviewing a couple of quarterbacks maybe after a game. And, of course, they were six feet apart from one another. 
And as soon as they went, you know, done with the interview, the camera was still on them. The two quarterbacks go hug. Right. <laughs> like, this right. is so ridiculous. Well, can you imagine the uh, bodily fluids that are exchanged in a tackle? Right. <laughs> yeah. But remember, Fauci was asked about that early on. Like, should we shut down these Tinder sites? Mm-hmm. Right? Because of the shusha. Oh, well, that's your decision. If you want to do that, that's your decision. But wear a mask. He actually did say that. Yeah. Wear a mask. Yeah, yeah. Think about I mean, we had a conversation with a microbiologist after mass this past weekend and just talking about the masks, and it was 0.4 microns is the size that the mask can protect against. The virus is 0.1 to 0.2. So you're catching a mosquito with a fishnet. Right. And it works. <laughs> so speaking of that, a microbiologist, I didn't see that one coming. But I'm going to put it here. We've got about uh, seven or eight minutes we can devote to talking about when are we going to pull the line out of the old uh, 1970s movie network, open our windows and say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. When, when are families going to unplug from the tyranny that can only be done locally here we got we got the health i mean if if parents don't send their kids to school because the school boards are acting crazy i mean when when do we start forming our own economy because it's really an an economic model isn't it well, I'd say the time is now. It's just coming up with the... I mean, I think the iron is very hot right now for that sort of thing. There's, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Gab Social, but that's uh, kind of an alternative Twitter type of uh, social media. And their founder is real big on this, and there's all these... Torba? Uh, Torba. Andrew Torba is his name, yeah. Um, and they have... I mean, there's soap makers and... Uh, physical therapists and doctors and uh, physical trainers and they're building that uh, when you say locally it's it's still a challenge I mean I can just speak from personal you know my wife and I are both working we have a lot of children it's hard to separate from what we do you know well, sure we're they've, they've got us locked in but if we don't participate anymore school districts are going to get the the uh, attention real well uh, businesses are going to get the attention real well uh, where where was the restaurateur who was it up in Michigan where they kept fining him for staying open and staying open here in the uh, was it the Michigan Supreme Court that said no it's unconstitutional leave this guy alone and mm-hmm. provide restitution for everything that he did one of the ways I've seen uh, someone suggest that you start doing this locally is even if you just eat at places like Chick-fil-A that are closed on Sunday or shop at Fairway that's closed on Sunday, just those little things that you should do business with people who have similar interest. Right. Shop at Hobby Lobby instead of Michael's because they're closed on Sunday, that kind of thing. Well, and we didn't talk about it last week, but we'll have to see where this shakes out when... Uh Mattress Mike got deplatformed, debanked by a uh, local banking system here. Uh, that made national news. I mean, when, when are you? Where, where are you going to choose to do your your uh, banking? Where are you going to choose to? Who's your dentist? Who's your doctor? I mean, what are what are the things you do in a in a month cycle? 
you got a family, doctors, dentists, optometrists. You know, are you buying organic food? Are you buying, are you buying your meat from the local farmer? Are you buying it from uh, uh, the cooler over at uh, the supermarket? Uh, that you know, maybe that came in from Brazil. And a great place to start is in the Bellowing Ox. We have all our Catholic advertisers in there. Yeah. You need something to business with other where, Catholics. Where, where are you buying your insurance? Well, speaking of Mattress Mike, um, I don't know if I can share this story or not. I guess if I don't share the source, it's probably okay. I was talking to someone who works down at this institution. I don't know if you can say the name or not, but someone who works there, and they said when that happened, they spent the entire day dealing with emails and constant phone calls. You're talking the local yeah. financial institution. Thousands. They couldn't get through all the email. They had to just start pitching them. That's a big deal. That's, that gets back to my point about the iron is hot. So if anybody has any great business ideas and you're a good traditional follow the Catholic faith, start a business now because it's, mm-hmm. it's hot. Mm-hmm. Even if you're a doctor, I don't know how easy it is to say, you know what? Uh, there are some doctors that will not prescribe birth control, and when when good Catholics know about them, they want to go to that person for a doctor. Now, then you go, well, my insurance dictates where I go, so I can't really. But but maybe there's some doctors that say, you know what, we're we're pulling out of that system. We're gonna put a shingle out. We're gonna open our door. And I've always wondered about, you know, does the medical boards? I mean, what what happens there? Is there legal loopholes you have to jump through to? I mean, do you get just called not a doctor? My wife and I have had this conversation. We said, look, if they're not going to force all this really Marxism on us that's coming through the medical system, I don't care if they're certified. They were educated. They had it. We'll right. go to them. Right. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see a parallel, though. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to call them doctors, but uh, they're also, back to segment one, they're not going to call the atheists a religion either. So I'm... Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. But your point, Tom, is well taken. You know, how do we how do we develop an alternative economy? Um, well, why do we need to participate in madness? It's going to consume itself too. What's going to be standing is the the people that have the traditional households and the you know and the traditional businesses because the madness just consumes itself. They turn on each other. They turn on us first, but then they go after each other. I didn't vote for city officials or county officials to do contact tracing of, of what's going on here. To, for you to get a phone call when you didn't take that child in here means that they've got a database that they're doing all kinds of linkage with what's going on here. Didn't sign up for that. Right. To your point, Brad Miller, uh, you know, kids on cell phones and, and they're tracking who, who they were. I, I didn't sign up for that don't want you to know where I've been and what I've done. It's not your business. Well, we didn't sign up for it, but we kind of did. I mean, when you when you buy into that technology, when you buy into that system, when you buy into these companies that, you know, the, the, big, the big tech companies, they have all that data. I mean, you look at Google, they'll give you these the, the programs, they'll give you the stuff for free. Well, they got to get something out of it. I mean, how do they stay alive as a company? So what do they do? They sell your data. So they have all that data. These tools are yeah, but data, incredible. What, what the, is data? I mean, that's the most used well, word. Here's that, the thing. What Location is data? info. What are you searching for? They know for? where you're where going, you what you're doing, what you're spending your money on, your, the you're books you read. If you're, you're reading, if you're reading the 
Thomas Aquinas's and the, you know, you might be on the Marxist hit list. So, I mean, not that it's to that point yet, but it, you know, it could get there. Well, they put school moms uh, over in Virginia on the terrorist watch group because they went to their school board. Yep. And, and the administration asked the Justice Department to do so. Yep. It didn't sign up for this, guys. It's amazing how much data they collect on us and how much they know about us and how they're always listening. Right. That You know, people are like, oh, they're not always listening. It's like, well, of course they are. That's why you can say, hey, Alexa. She's like, yeah. Uh, right? Of course they're always listening. You're listening to The Chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD on the mobile app and the podcast chatter available at kcrd-fm.org. We'll be back with segment three right after this. All right, we are back. This is the chatter on FM 98.3 KCRD. Uh, want to invite, this will air before our event at the Grand River Center, Friday, February 25th. We've got one of the great priests, Father John Ricardo, coming down out of uh, Detroit. And uh, there's something magic about the way this guy talks. I just love his style. And his style is surpassed only by his substance. This is uh, one of the great critical thinkers, and your life will be uh, changed. Uh, tickets are on sale at kcrd-fm.org. we got a couple of price points. It's a Friday night at the Grand River Center. We went down there because who knows what the snow is, but when you got a parking ramp and an overhead uh, canopy, uh, we'll get you there here. So uh, do that, Father John Ricardo. Friday, January 25th. And Brad, you wanted to talk about our, our good friend, Raymond Cardinal Burke. Sure, yeah. So he, he was on Raymond Arroyo's show uh, this past week, just discussing Traditionis Custodes, uh, which I know has been a topic on the chatter here, um, about basically the suppression of the Latin Mass coming from Rome. It's been a very challenging time for traditional Catholics in that uh we really don't know what to do. We love this Mass, and it's really a difficult thing to think about your own father, who's supposed to be a shepherd, beating you. And that's basically what it, it feels like. So it's great to have at least a few bishops out there that are uh, willing to, to talk about it. And Raymond Burke was talking about it, uh, and he's basically, in my mind, the the foremost authority living today on uh, canon law. And one of the conversations we have in our traditional community is a lot of people are looking, hey, let's go with Society of St. Pius X. And for me, I can't, it, to me, it feels like that's outside the church, so I don't want to do it. Um, others have come to other different co conclusions. But on Arroyo's show, they were discussing, you know, what, what do we, what do these people do? And Burke basically said, hey, stay in the church and continue doing what you're doing. Now, this is the foremost canon lawyer basically saying, we don't have to follow what the Pope is saying on this. He didn't say it that boldly or that strongly, but he just... Strike that from the minutes. Yeah, he said, continue doing what you're doing. That was his words, his phrase exactly. And he was talking to the lay people, right? Correct. Yeah, because it, it, the lay people want to keep doing what they've been doing. Um, but we need some 
priests and bishops that will also allow room for that. Like Hying, Bishop Hying allows that. Right? Yes, exactly. And that, that's been such such a blessing because, I, I, honestly, I, I was heartbroken by this. I, I, I want nothing more than to remain and be part of the Catholic Church. And this is, to me, it feels like, has God abandoned the church? I mean, I know we we know he hasn't, but that's the sense you get as a faithful Catholic that, why is he coming after this one one or two percent of the Catholics? All right, back away from the edge of the wall. Just walk this way, Brad. Well, I know non solus. There's no salvation outside the Catholic Church, so I'm not going anywhere. Don't jump. But, but Don't jump. it's been such a blessing to have a shepherd in hying. He is he has been a shepherd, defending the sheep. And you raise a good question. If it's only one or two percent of Catholics that go to the Latin Mass, why the clamp down on such a small percentage? Okay. You know, and we knew this, but it, it hides in plain sight. Traditiones custodis translates as the custodians of tradition. How ironic. Am, am I the only guy that's laughing out loud inside? With jailers of tradition? Yeah. Right? It's like Aurelian, isn't it? It like is the that, ministry it, of it truth is, in charge of yeah, all the lies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, what are they afraid of? They. What are the... Ministers of what did you say? Yeah, ministry ministry of truth that the just gives propaganda yeah, and what, lies. What what is the fear? They're actually afraid of exactly what's happening. I mean, I I just heard over the weekend what's happening in Cedar Rapids is their their Latin mass crowd has grown since July. They're yeah, over they're overflow. Okay, standing room only. Define that. Define that. so what standing in what church? Uh, Saint Wenceslas, which is that beautiful church on the south. East it's a, side, it's a Czech parish, I believe. Czech parish yeah. uh, near the Czech village, and it is beautiful. Yeah. And I'm trying to think how many it would seat. Oh, I mean, it's not it's, it's not, not huge. huge. It's not small. Somewhere in the middle, two fifty maybe. And it's standing room only. And they were they were full when they were over at Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. and now they've moved back over there and they're even more full. Well, and that scares them, whoever them's is. If you come to Saint Augustine's, I mean. When Bishop Hying was there, he said, I'm shocked by the fact that it seems like the median age here is nine years old. <laughs> well, that's because you took your crew over there. <laughs> Brad took his crew over what there. What a beautiful family, family as you both have. Amen. Speaking of that here, we're going to embarrass you, Mr. Miller, here, because not everybody understands that it is your daughters who sing so joyfully, uh, beautifully at our... Um, rosary rallies at our our events did i tell you they're booked for the 25th of february okay sounds good <laughs> and i've got i'll sing with them and I've bring got, them down a notch i've got the uh your beautiful christmas card it's on my office around the corner here but it's olivia it's seraphia it's it, it uh, i'm not helping them <laughs> Goodness. I always have to I know ask these, my daughter. I know these Samantha's the oldest. Samantha, yeah. Samantha Seraphia, Olivia, and it's not Ringo. Cecilia. Cecilia. And then Mariana. They're kind of the singers. So there's five of them now? Yeah, they're primarily up. It's the biggest quartet I've ever seen. Well, I can tell you about <laughs> them, too, just back on the Latin Mass topic. When I first started attending, which is only two years ago, Brad's girls were singing there, and part of the just the beauty of it, you know, the smells of the, of the uh, incense, the the bells, the whistles, but the singing. I mean, Whistles? Just, there was no whistles. I'm thinking, yeah. 
Where were you? You were at a Brewers game. Yeah, I guess. That's, yeah. that's when he ribbon dances. I'm, I'm using... <laughs> He's got to do this to me, doesn't he? You know what? It's a, oh, this, I did this... see ribbon dances going. Yeah, the ribbon dance. Well, I've been practicing. Yeah, you, you better. Know, so. <laughs> we haven't quite been able to talk Father John into letting us uh, oh. do any ribbon dancing, but... But his girls, yeah, back on topic yes, with them. Yes, they are, they are uh, truly a gift to us and a blessing to you and, and Julie. Beautiful voices. Yeah. Beautiful voices. So when we talk about the Latin Mass taking off, I mean, more people going, and then you hear the, I mean, you hear the numbers, like here in the Archdiocese, I heard the numbers, 40% of people haven't come back since the lockdown. Let's go through those numbers. Colleen and I were reviewing those about two hours ago. So before the lockdown, we're talking 2019 and before, about one in four Catholics went to Mass on any given Sunday. Let's say 25%, maybe it's 30 maybe it, uh, but significantly below half and, and, a, and a crime on that. As Brad Markham said at Christmas time, he kept getting bombarded by friends saying, is it still a sin not to go to Mass on Sunday? Yeah, it, it sure is here. So the latest statistics we see now that the churches have been opened, and uh, I think these are local numbers here, is uh, of those who were going to Mass, less than 60%, the best number they could do is 57% are now returning here. So that's about a little more than half. So if, if one in four... We're not coming, and now one out of two are still not coming of those that were coming. We're, we're about, what, one in six, seven, or eight people who at least uh, signed up for the uh, Catholics going on here. It gets back to key performance indicators. What was Brad just, the question he just asked, the Latin Mass is, I mean, they're small, it's, St. Augustine's is a smaller church, but it's full, mm-hmm. and they're filling. And when you look around at these parishes, they've seen thirty to fifty percent growth in the last two to three years. How's this message what? going to get out in the synod on synodality? What 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 do you think the voice? You're, you, I don't think that will that, be in there. That's, I, that smirk on end, your face doesn't translate on radio. I I think the ends are already determined, and it's not going to be in line with tradition. Well, and here's what's frustrating, too. You've got these numbers have gone down. So we're coming out of that. What do we do? We talk about how we're going to close parishes. No, that's that's a non-starter. Let's, let's kick off a diocesan-wide fundraiser. I mean, what are we thinking? How is that, how is that going to help? How is that going to help bring people back? It's just what begs the question, what business are we in? Right, and you, you double down on what hasn't worked for 50 years, and something is working, and we look the other direction. So what are they afraid of? I, I, the Latin Mass is full of young young people, young families, people that love the faith, that want to you know, hold fast to what we were taught. So why is that a threat to the hierarchy? Well, part of it is the, the generation. You know, we're, we're in the... The 60s generation is ruling right now, and I, I think a lot of them were educated that, you know, the church was this closed, ossified system that 
you know, wasn't open to any ideas and we need to, you know, dialogue and whatnot. But we've seen, okay, maybe that's just a huge error in prudence, but we've seen this tried and it did not work. It has not worked. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, the culture has, the culture has changed, therefore people aren't going to church. But the culture is downstream from the church. And if the church is militant, like it was established to be, it, it, it will grow. It will draw people in. We'll have to pick this up uh, at another time because we could talk at this, including the uh, young people at, at uh, St. Thomas Beckett Society. I think they're scheduled for next episode, episode 28. You guys might want to stop in on that one here, too. Colleen, we've got about uh, six or seven minutes left here. We do. And um, Is it time for some questions? This is this is the uh, newer segment. We've been doing this for five or six times here. It started out as quizzing on catechism. It's now known as Are You Smarter Than a Heretic? So we were talking earlier on segment one, I believe, about Francis changing canon law to allow women to serve as lectors and acolytes. Mm. We also mentioned in that segment that they were part of what were called the minor orders. Yes. Okay, Alex, for a hundred, what were... What are you looking at me for? What are the that minor is... orders, starting with the lowest on the oh, podium? Man. I'm not going to be able to do it. Uh, porter? Exorcist? No. Nope. Porter is correct. Porter answered the door, right? Rang yeah. the bell? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was after Porter. Tom already knows you better answer, Tom. The four minor orders are porter, lector, exorcist, and acolyte. And you got them in the right order. Good yeah. job. Ding, 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 ding. Good and the job. major orders. So then you had major orders, and um, if you're at the Latin Mass, you should know what the first major order is on the step. Subdeacon. You oh, are exactly okay. right. Subdeacon, look at that. <laughs> and then what and what? Deacon, priest. You guys got them all. There we go. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. Porter, lector, exorcist, acolyte, subdeacon, deacon, and priest. Good job. I heard that. Is exorcist still a thing? Do we still have those? I we don't need know. them? Not in this archdiocese. We don't need them in this archdiocese. Okay. Got no trouble with that Good. here. <laughs> There's no Satan clubs going on here. No, no. no. We'll have to see that when that happens. And so I have some questions, too, here to quiz you guys on about priests. I'm trying to think, did I already ask these one other segment ago? You're not losing it, are you? I am losing it. What are the two classes of priests? Did I already ask that? Yeah, you did. Ah, oh, shoot. All right. Diocesan and religious. Yeah, okay. All right. So now I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. We talked about the calendar earlier and whether it was the Feast of uh, Francis de Sales or St. Timothy or which calendar you've been looking at. But we all know it's coming up February 2nd. Mm. And nobody here is going to say Groundhog Day, right? No. Okay, I didn't think so. So what's coming up February 2nd? Candlemas. 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 What other name is it known as? the epiphany right no no, no that the, was last uh, week it's the uh presentation isn't it presentation 
And uh, there's one more. Purification. There you, there go. you go. Look at Tom is more. pulling his weight in this time, isn't he? Purification. Well, when you've got this much weight. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to uh, St. Uh, what's his name? St. Fishbone. Blaze. Blaze. He's the next day, February 3rd, I think. Is that what it is? That's how it goes. Which calendar so are you we, looking at? So we bless the uh, candles and then we bless the throats. Yeah. I've so, always been very bad at the calendar. I, I don't know if it's just the way I was raised, but I don't, I've never you know, been good I at think it. these, and, and it, it's a disservice to call this trivia because it trivia, trivializes mm. uh, Catholic uh, uh, tradition. But if you talk to lots of folks, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles or something, they miss St. Blaise mm -hmm. and the blessing of the throats. They miss uh, Ash Wednesday and getting getting the ashes. That was a big deal when they shut down in 2020. Couldn't yeah. get it. You couldn't get a. You couldn't get an ash on Ash Wednesday. You couldn't get a palm on Palm Sunday. How about the Eucharist? I was devastated. I mean, we didn't know how long we were going to go without it. Well, I, I think this, I'm, I'm I'm going to hell if I don't get the sacraments. You know, that, I mean, it was very. The spiritually receiving stuff, I mean, I know what's out there and that there's been times of persecution where it happened, but if our own fathers, to take it away from us was yeah. devastating. I was heartbroken. you got two minutes left. you got any other well, stumpers um, here? I, I do, but with only two, well, okay, I'll ask you another one. Why are candles blessed? Well, to, uh, I think it has something to do with the demons of the air. Am I am I on to Sam? Keep going, keep and, going. And the light of the world. There you go, there you go. Well, and there was some. What, where where is that? What book is that? Where uh, you know the demons are they're cast down to earth, but some of them are of the and and it's in the exorcism prayers. The demons of the of the earth, demons of the water, the demons of the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even, even in this. You're talking in the Bible, or, or is it? I'm not in the Book of Enoch or something, am I? I'm thinking Revelation. Revelation. Yeah, I think so. It could be, but you know, there are demons of the air and water and nether worlds and things like that, and mm -hmm. that's why they ring bells too. When you ring bells, the bells are blessed. They sure. have names, and when you ring bells, part of that is to drive away any demons of the air. And they're not all named Bertha. I've heard that if they were visible, they've said in exorcisms, they would blacken the sky. You wouldn't be able to see the sun. Mm -hmm. Padre mm -hmm. Pio that said that. Yeah. Well, we're about out of time. I just have one little, tiny little good news story. All right, right, go for it. There's enough bad news out there. So uh, there's a neighborhood in Wisconsin, up in Appleton, Wisconsin, and uh, the people in the neighborhood would set their garbage cans out in the morning, but every night their garbage cans were back, after being emptied, back up at their garage door. Mm -hmm. So, like, who's doing this? Mm -hmm. Who's doing this? 75-year-old man didn't have anything to do, and so he said, I thought, well, I'm just going to do everybody's. He would walk around the neighborhood and pull everybody's garbage can back up to the door, to their garage door. And I just thought that was a nice little good news story as we're looking at some fresh snow today. Just that act of kindness um, anonymously. So, someone bring in our garbage can. Like a modern St. Nick there. Like a little modern St. Yeah. Nick. <laughs> 
That's all I got. You're listening to the chatter. This is episode, what did I say, Colleen? Episode number uh, 27. 27. On FM 98.3 KCRD. You can hear us on the mobile app uh, and the podcast at kcrd-fm.org. Thank you to our guest. Brad Miller. Brad Markham. We'll have to have him back here. Absolutely. We've learned a lot of big words here. Metaphysical within five minutes. (laughs) Tom, I owe you something. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glory be to the Father, Father, and and to the the Son, and to the the Holy Spirit. Spirit. As As it was in the beginning, beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. See you in church. We love you.